getting this thing started, how would you describe what it is that you do online? What is Violet Synergy all about? Um, let's see. More recently, it's been about like this energy seems to come through me that wants to evoke that energy in others. And it's like this free, playful, almost childlike energy. That's what it seems like more recently has been moving through. Um, and it changes. Sometimes it shares through like trauma and struggles there um, and invites people into that. And so it kind of changes a bunch. But right now it feels really just like inviting and playful, like an energy that's like brewing to say, hey, come here, meet me here. Mm -hmm. And we, we explore what's here, what's right here, what's going on here. Um, I don't have a certain specific, like I feel like the person needs to wake up or needs something. It's just sort of like, what's going on? You know, we have a conversation about it and then we like just more so more like on one-on-ones and then we can explore it. Like, does it feel like suffering? Does it feel like you're fixated somewhere? Does it feel like we're missing something and explore that directly? Like those beliefs, um, those um, perspectives um, and explore them directly in, in the experience and see what's really, what's really there and what's not. I see. Yeah. Mm. So it's really just about bringing somebody in to the present moment. Well, we're already in the present moment, but just exploring it directly, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I don't, and I don't know why, but for me, it just doesn't seem to speak in the language of doctrine or use certain frameworks. It feels like since I started teaching, so to speak, it's, it's like, it feels like the invitation to end framework. Hmm. Because when we're in the now, when we're here, when we're in actual reality, you could call it. There's not a framework that this fits into at all. And so what is our frameworks that are hindering us from seeing it in its freedom, in its pure state? And how do we explore where we, we have identity and intertwined within those, those patterns? I see. Yeah. Would you say there's like a pattern of patterns, a pattern of framework among people oh, yes. that you work with? <laughs> yes. It's like, in for me, it's like, feels like after like a year of working with people, I had this like download of this like web and it was this web that like this connects to that. And it's yeah. like, it was different pieces of identity and they're like predictable links. Um, and, and the way I see it. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. Mm. Now, what would you say is like the commonality between those links? Because I feel as though I have this funny feel and they all stem from, the same um the same foundation like it's different patterns and different frameworks really all coming about um a similar source of lack within oneself um so what would you say is the commonality between all of those you know all of our all of yeah. our individual sense of lack that one may bring to you um, I think, yeah, the, the lack is a big like misconception. Um, I am separate is a big misconception that yeah. continues to link those. Um, it depends really what's what specifically we're talking about. Like it's kind of vague where we are right yeah. now with that yeah. um, idea. So it's a little bit hard, but also I think beyond the lack, there's this like um, 
dynamic expression of orientation. And it's something that happens in the mind that it needs to continue to orient to something in order to keep itself a subject. It has to keep creating an object. So it just, the orientation itself creates that expression of subject object, a self in an objective world or a self in an experience, experience in an experiencer, even if like, it's seen in some level that there isn't a self, there isn't something palpable there called the self. It's still this dynamic that is created um, that, that really holds up the whole thing. It's almost like the structure of identity itself is orientation. And when orientation falls away, they're, they're, the structure dismantles. Yeah. Hmm. And when the structure dismantles, peace ensues. Peace ensues. Um, I don't know that word ensues, but I'm guessing comes about. Like comes about. Yeah, yeah. sure. I guess I do know that word, <laughs> or I had a good guess. Um, you, you know, you could say that, but it's really not anything specific. It's sort of like when when identity dismantles. There's no. There's nothing to like that can really buy into any way of saying it or any specific anything like it just like it becomes really hard to frame it like could frame it for a context of a conversation or for purposes of what's being spoken in that moment but it's like impossible it feels to me to hold any framework about it at all or any like it's always joy it's always peace or anything about it it feels if i were to put one word on it it feels free Mm. it feels free from or untethered. It feels untethered from having to be any way or described or experienced any way. And the other word I put onto it is all inclusive. It inc- that means it includes every possible expression. Yeah. Well said. Wow. We've only been talking for five minutes. So I feel like we covered the whole gamut of this thing. <laughs> okay, we're done. Yeah, that's it. Thanks everybody. Wait, for we can just in. get lunch now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, that was well said. I really don't even know what else to ask from there. Um, it's true. Freedom, true freedom, but it's beyond even the concept of freedom, the conceptualization of how we think freedom is. Just like think of how freedom is, like a, an image of it. It's not even that. It's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's beyond that. But yeah, the closest thing I guess one could say is freedom. Maybe I like to say love, but it's not even the concept of love, uh, how mm-hmm. we think of it. It's uh, yeah. unconditional love in that freedom. Um, yeah, quite hard to explain, but it's like, if you know, you know. <laughs> totally. And I think, I think it's important. Like, I mean, we sort of started at the end, if, if I were to put it in that terms, you know, um, and I think it's important to um, really be, be clear. Like, I think the, the um, recipe you could say for awakening is clarity. Um, and, and honesty and support that that's the three things I would put in the mix for that. But, you know, and, and where that's coming from is that like, we have to be clear on what we're referring to because our mind is easily going to mistake what's being said. And that's part of, part of the troubles you could say. And that's just sort of with anything is that, you know, there's parts of this that, so what we're what I just explained is really sort of like what happens in the end, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
not that there really is an end, but it's it's a an end of something for sure. And that takes quite a bit of vigilance and it's a journey, right? It doesn't like, that's not what happens right away. And now say first awakening, there was like for me five years ago, there was definitely that quality and quality of say no self, what we're really talking about within that, but it wasn't mature. It wasn't, it didn't stick. It didn't really become um, an insight uh, like, like a lived living truth like it is now. And so it's important because there's so much that, you know, as practitioners, we watch things online and we don't know where they're talking about and what they're pointing to. And this is why I think it's important to have some sort of connection one-on-one with a teacher or somebody that's gone through this that you really connect with because they can point directly to like where you are specifically in relative terms, of course, right? Um, And that's really important because like all of the steps along the way, like are so they're just, I don't know. They're, they're important. And, and it's like, I wouldn't want to take those away from somebody by mistaking we're somewhere we're not kind of thing. And I don't know if this is coming out clear and how I'm meaning it. I get it. But it just, you know what I mean? Like we're talking about the end part and I just don't want it to be mistaken because certain types of speaking gets intertwined with no self and stuff. And it's not really, directly that if that makes sense <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know that's sort of my caution because i just want people to like really have the opportunity to go through all the stages if we're talking in that way um and not miss anything by believing we're somewhere we're not because mm-hmm. that doesn't help anything it creates more suffering ultimately yeah, wow. mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, ultimately hard to conceptualize something that is uh unconceptual um, but it's like, um, I don't know, the concepts still come up in this journey. Um, if that yeah, totally. even makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And having the context and the concepts are very helpful, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with our mind and the way we use concepts and the way we think of it. I think it's more so about being clear, right? Being clear on what it is. We're using dualistic language to try to explain something that can't be explained. Yeah. You know, and that's fun and fine. Hmm. So let me ask you this. If you could put this simply, this this hubbub that we're talking about right now, if you could put it simply to someone that has no idea, yet they're very curious. They say, mm-hmm. well, what are they talking about? How would you explain what this is and what this is all about? We talked about a beginning or an end. What What is beginning? What is ending? Is this a... What, yeah, what's this all about? How would you explain that to somebody that doesn't know any better yet? They come to you and say, Violet, what do you, what, come on, how can you get me started? Yeah, yeah, good question. Good question, Gary. Um, I would say that, is there something in the experience right now that feels like it's separate to all of life? And if there is, we will directly investigate it together. I see. Mm. I think and most people would say yes. Yeah, most mm-hmm. people say yeah. And I would say, well, where is it then? Can you find it? Mm. Mm, yeah, I see. And some people will, will uh, um, their mind will apply the belief that, no, I didn't find it last time, so I won't find it this time. 
which doesn't help because that's just another limiting belief. Beliefs are limiting in and of themselves. So it's about really slowing down and looking directly, Mm -hmm. directly, again Mm -hmm. and again and again and again until something that feels like your identity, who you are, gets untangled from it. It's literally like it feels like something, a cord is entangled on to something. Hmm. Yeah. It's quite simple in that way, actually. When you explain it like that, just a constant self-inquiry, a constant exploration through genuine curiosity. Mm-hmm. It is quite simple. And I guess that's the, the stuff we were talking about, the, the concepts that come up that one has to explore. It's the conceptual idea of self with a lowercase s that one has to explore and see that is ultimately illusion so one can ultimately reach the uppercase s in the end, per se. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's where, like, I, I, I would be careful with, like, is it ultimately an illusion? Like, what does that mean? What is that referring to? What is what referring to? It's ultimately an illusion. The self is ultimately an illusion. Like that statement, what is it referring to? The idea that we are separate from one another. Yeah. Yeah, that sense of like, I'm Gary, you're Violet, you're the listener. Um, It's it's there. There There is a distinct sense of separateness, but really really not um but when one dwells just simply in that sense of separateness that's the illusion um that's what i would say is the illusion um yeah, so but you can, can dis- you can dismantle you can untangle yourself from it in two seconds by looking directly right mm-hmm. that's what i love about this it's yeah. like it's not far it's just like <laughs> hidden we, plain sight yeah those misconceptions of like we were so um drawn to believe just believe like that's how it is it's true that I'm someone separate in here. And, but like we walk our whole lives thinking that, and most people don't ever question it. Right. Mm -hmm. And those of us that end up on this journey for whatever reason, question it. Well, wait, is that actually true? Is there something palpable that's distinct, right? Use the word distinct that I can find in here. That is true. Like, and if so, what am I using to reference the inside or reference the something or reference the solidity? Like what is all of that about? And like giving the answers to that is just like, so it's like robbing you of your journey, right? Robbing that, that, but it's looking, it's like, wait a minute, how do I believe something that seems so real? And yet you're telling me that maybe it's not. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) If that doesn't spark curiosity, then what does, you know, like at that part for me, the, I would say the very beginning when Angela gave me the question, who am I? I was like, suffering so much. My life was changing outwardly. My internal experience, I just did not like myself. I was studying acting at the time and I was like going doubt, diving into these characters and just loving it and becoming these other people and on screen. And then like, I had to go back and be me. And I was like, Oh, I don't really want to go home. I don't want to be me. I don't like me. There's nothing there. Hmm. And like nothing that I enjoyed anymore in that part of my life. And and then um, I really just was like, well, wait a minute. If I can go into these characters and really be someone else, and it was it was beautiful. It was wild how I can see. We'd in film class, we would we'd film a scene and then we watch it back and we'd analyze it. 
And I was like, oh, that doesn't even look like me. It does like the way that I'm behaving, the way that that's happening. And, and then like, if I can do that, then what is, what actually am I? And then I start to realize, well, I'm, when I'm with my dad, I'm a different person. When I'm with my husband, I'm a different person. When I'm with my, my job three years ago, I was a different person. So like, what actually am I then? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that appearance changes so much. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I feel as though that's what something we all yearn for is that is I feel like every person has that who am I question whether they actually question it or not it's somewhere deep inside that who am I what really what sticks beyond all of the the stories that we tell ourselves of how we should be how we should act that's really within I think that's what the whole journey if you want to call this a journey is all about is finding out really what sticks here yeah did you find that <laughs> is that something you've come to find like what would you say sticks what is permanent i don't find anything impermanent or permanent anymore oh wow <laughs> that's a paradox yeah it just feels like that mm, anything to describe it in those terms is dualistic like it just doesn't feel like like I can use it, right? I can use the term, but it doesn't feel like something is sticking or not sticking. Like mm. that whole buy-in to that, this or that doesn't make sense energetically anymore for me. I can understand it and I can talk in it, but it energetically in my heart, it just doesn't make sense. There's no this or that. Mm -hmm. It's just well said. only this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a simultaneous paradox. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> that's the thing is we're both form and formless we're both permanent and impermanent it's this constant flux of beginning and end of life and death there's no point where we're like yep this is me i gotta figure it out <laughs> it's like it's not that easy man <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, i feel as though that's one of the problems though is we we try to attach ourselves to a sense of um Hmm, how do I put this? Um, finding some kind of semblance of peace in the impermanent or some kind of idealized permanence. And that just leads to suffering. When if one can just ride the flow of the permanence and impermanence, this kind of Tao, um, somewhere in there is some kind of semblance, for me at least, personally speaking, some kind of semblance of peace, like some kind of dance of Dharma, one may say. Um, in the act, the act, the show goes on. That's the thing, though, too. Is the show still goes on. We're still here as actors, whether you're on camera or not. We're still here <laughs> acting um, in these bodies, but it um, it seems to play out a little bit differently in that flow between the form and the formless. Um, one could say, if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite interesting. Yeah. So let me ask you this one: Would you say? Um, with this dawning of an idea of uh, a sense of self that isn't really a sense of self that is paradoxically um, permanent and impermanent simultaneously, with that yeah. dawning upon the person that we see on screen, would you say there comes about a different will, like a different way to, to act in the show of life? Would you say that somebody sees you differently? Or maybe not even sees you differently. See, 
somebody would see the violet of five, 10 years ago, a little bit, act a little bit differently um, now? Would you say there's some kind of um, universal will that you abide to? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple questions in there. So yeah, sorry, yeah that might've been a lot. <laughs> it's okay. You, you made me dizzy a little bit there, but then I came, I, I got still. So <laughs> it's like, then you're around and then now you got to find where the pinata is. I'm like, okay, all right. I, I got sight of the pinata. Um, yeah. So I think it definitely is different. Right. But even like without the shift five years before that was different. And a year before that was different. Violet's been an expression of change for so long. Um, I, you know, I don't really know much about different um, personality type tests and stuff like that, but the, the num numerology and numerology, my life path number was the number of change, which was funny because it just made so much sense because there has been so much change in this life story. Um, just not a lot of stability. And that's just how it's unfolded for whatever reason. Like in 10 years, I moved like 15 times. Wow. So there was a lot of like in my twenties, there was just a lot of change and it's, it's more stable now. I've been at my house now for four years and uh, life is way more stable because that part of me that was really restless and that needed to do the change that needed to live through those life experiences is really at rest. There's not like a, a seeking travel or seeking another experience that I find now. Um, so there's something that can settle and time goes by way quicker in one sense, because I'm not moving around so much um, yeah. physically through the day and also through my life. Like I'm not like grasping at the next experience that I need to go have with this journey of travel or moving or relationship or anything like it just doesn't seem to be seeking external pleasure and experience which is really which is really nice it's restful um so that part of it like just relatively speaking sure to answer that question um on the uh, there's another way to answer it too and i think this is probably more of what you're asking uh is yeah i think violet is different. You know, she's, she's a lot more expressive than she ever was. It feels like she's able to just be as she is mm -hmm. without the hindrance of all of the belief structures and all of the things that were caging her in a box. Yeah. And she has this like such a like mm, eclectic expression, you could say that just is dynamic. It's just like th that girl is just not simple, no matter what you do about it. She's not simple. She can be quieter. She can have a quieter life, but she's not simple. She is dynamic and colorful and a mirage of expression. And now I feel like, I don't know. I just have, I have so much fun just being Violet. Like, because I don't, I don't feel anywhere in me, the resistance that Violet's wrong. Like Violet needs to do something else to make herself more aligned or do something else to make herself more successful or find some other kind of relationship to make herself more loved. Like I don't have any of those things anymore. Mm. And that's huge because yeah. now it's just like Violet's just being Violet. And what I love now is that, and what I always hated, part of that acting part was like, I didn't, part of me didn't like when I was with my dad, I was a different Violet. When I was with my husband, I was a different Violet. And I didn't like that I had to be a different person for all these parts of my life. When I'm at work, I have to be a different person. I have to put on this mask and this mask. That was exhausting to me. And now it's like what you see, the Violet that you see is what everyone gets. Everyone gets the same violet. So yeah, I don't talk to my dad about non-duality, right? So I'm not like direct like that. And maybe he gets a slightly different 
maybe he gets a little bit more of my baby talk still or something like that. I don't know. But for the most part, it's just is what it is. It express it has an ex- its own unique expression moment to moment. And yeah. it's not held by any set of circumstances it has to be. I see. Like there's no way I'm trying to make Violet to be. Like I'm yeah. not trying to make her smarter or funnier or anything. Mm-hmm. She just is. Yeah. So and no standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's no like um, I, I tend to, would have tend to be a lot more shy and there's not as much shyness anymore, which is really fun. Um, because the shyness was really like a worry of people are going to think I'm weird or wrong or something. And that was really like why I was reserved or would, would not be so expressive. And, um, always thought like, I need to be like other people where they're, they're mm-hmm. calmer, they're quieter. They're not like laughing so loud where everybody in the auditorium can hear them and, but that's what Violet is. She's, that's just what happens. And, and now that the, the last five years has really allowed the freedom, like without identity, the, the freedom, like, like the tree or say the dog, right. Without an identity, it's just is it, it, it's Kenny, right. That's the dog Kenny. And he has his unique expression called Kenny. And he's not trying to be like Cleo because he believes Cleo is better than him. And he's lacking something. He's just Kenny. And he's just like, this is what Kenny looks like guys. You guys want a part of it? You know, and so that's, I feel like a dog in that way. I feel like that natural expression, which is so fun. That's what, in one way, I think we all want. And that's what I was saying sort of in the beginning, Gary, where it's like, that's the, that feels like what's oozing through me as the invitation. Like, come on, let's play. Let's dance together. Like, who cares if we have thoughts that say, people are thinking, I don't know how to dance. I have those thoughts sometimes. And I still post a video of me dancing online. (laughs) Right. Because it's, it's not even about being brave. It's just being a like, you just can't care. You There's not like a, I'm trying to be something for anyone, even myself, even for myself. Yeah. It just is what's happening. Yeah. Wow. Well said. Yeah. I feel that. There's another part of your question, but I don't, now I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I think you answered it somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That was a good answer though. I feel yeah. that hundred percent. Um, It's an unconditionality to life. I think I said it before, no standards, just simply expressing whatever is needed in the moment. And yeah. That's quite beautiful. I feel as though a sense of ease comes about from that. Yeah, totally. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's like we apologize for what we are or who we are. We always are like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm too loud. I'm sorry, I'm not more helpful. I'm sorry, I'm not. And I'm like, no, we don't need to apologize. What's happening is what's happening. It's fine. It has a way, like life, it's not about you or me. It's not about me choosing I'm being the way I'm being, Violet's being the way she's being. No, it's just what's happening. And if we really allow it, there's this like organic, like equilibrium that happens, this organic, like yin and yang that happens, where if we don't apologize and hinder what's happening through here, even if it means I hurt your feelings, if I don't try to prevent myself from hurting your feelings, I'll hurt your feelings by accident. And that might be something you will see, right? That may be something that will be helpful for you. Who knows? But that's not me like hurting your feeling. That's life just like doing what it needs to do to awaken, to bring things to light. And sometimes that happens that way, you know, like in my teaching, I, I, if it was up to me, I'd love to be giving everyone hugs and love everyone. And sometimes I'm like, no, this like masculine part comes out of me. And I'm like, no, that's my boundary. Mm. We're not going to do it that way because that doesn't work for me. You know, and so I'm like, whoa, like that. So that I had to get a little more comfortable in that, but it's free to come out as ever as it does. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what's, 
that's what's cool about it. It's like unhinged in some way. And yet I can trust it that it's not going to like make a mess out of things. And if it does, it's fine. And it will, it will fix its own big messes, but it seems to work out like smoothly. Yeah. So far at least. I know what you You mean. mean? More cohesive. I almost see like the body as um, some kind of energy membrane energy passes through. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you just surrender, you just described surrender pretty much. If you just surrender to what is needed, that energy just flows through us effortlessly. And yeah, um, yeah then less suffering essentially ensues. Totally. Yeah. There is that sense of equilibrium, a sense of equanimity that comes about even in the dark times of our life, in the light times. There's something I feel as though in this, in this realm that we're talking about, ultimately a sense of equanimity of yeah. life comes about um, and... Yeah, that's that's priceless. Something very special about that. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like without identity, you don't have to, there's not like, so if you have the identity of like, I protect others or I love others and I would never harm others. If you hold that identity, right, as a, as a something that you are, there's something hiding behind it, then you're going to hinder how you are around others. Yeah. Right? You're going to prevent yeah. your natural expression yeah because others matter more than you those mm. sort of things and and i can say sure i'm totally another oriented person i love other people and i do in my heart feel the good for other people but not at the cost of of anything like not at the cost of truth and freedom at all you know do i people please anymore absolutely not mm-hmm. did i yeah because i was afraid that i would hurt somebody or i was afraid that i would be hurt and that I wanted people to think I was a nice person and a good person and a kind person. And that was where my identity was. Yeah. And now that I don't hold those identities, it's like, okay, if you, if you think I'm not kind, then that's your business. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like you said, that's, that's your business. Anybody else's opinion, that's their opinion. I feel like in this, yeah. uh, what we're talking about is like a sense of... Uh, it's freedom. Freedom in knowing that we have like, ultimate accountability of everything yeah. that goes on inside of here. It's ultimately up to us. Any, what anybody else wants to think of you because you said this or, or did that, that's that's uh, somebody else's prerogatives. And totally. ultimate, ultimate accountability, that's another priceless thing. But that comes with the freedom, yeah. Totally, yeah. And it's like I give myself freedom, I give you freedom too, you know? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what's that. And it's it's not even like, consciously choosing freedom in that way but it's like that's how it rolls you know yeah um that's how it rolls yeah that's how it rolls i like that yeah damn yeah there was one other thing there that i thought was important let's see if i can find it again um oh it it also doesn't mean that i can't feel hurt if you hurt me right if if it seems like you say something that's unkind yeah. I can still feel hurt from that. I can still feel like, wow, the like pain of what's going on there. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like it's you and me and you did something to me. Like that's, that's the dynamic that doesn't feel so much there, but it does feel like, wow, there's just something that really like pain is here. It hurt. Mm. You know, it's not like, oh, now I'm not, I'm so free. I'm not affected by you being rude to me and mean to me. It's like, no, I can feel that directly. Like as if I did that to myself, Yeah. as if I'm the one saying that, if I'm the one hurting and evoking that in someone else. And I can feel the whole identity structure of that person too. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you. So now, would you also say 
that say somebody does say something that is hurtful to you rather than putting the blame on them it's almost like yeah you the hurt still arose from whatever was said mm -hmm. but it's examined a little bit differently within oneself so you know rather mm -hmm. than just putting all the blame they may be this way it's like yeah, yeah they said this but it, it invoked this in my being and then yeah. from that it's like i hold it as if it's ours yeah i see yeah that's what it feels like and and it doesn't mean i don't put a boundary right like there's relative like boundary that is so necessary the only way i can unconditionally love you is through boundaries hmm. Hmm. yeah so i feel it as if it's ours it's and ours. Yeah. if there's a boundary needed then I speak it, then I say it, then it comes out of me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not about blame, but it's about boundaries. Boundary like and yeah, response. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's not about blame. It's about boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately that comes down to also like how we respond, would you say? Because if you take the, res the blame response rather than the boundary response, I feel as though this is a hypothetical and we're talking generally here, but okay. I feel like those two, yeah ideals like the blame response and the boundary response are totally different they're just mm, they yeah. could be totally oh, yeah. different depending on the circumstance and the situ situation and whatever anybody said but those two things yeah. that's really what matters it comes down to that that discernment of blame or boundary or whatever's happening it's that inner discernment to respond differently yeah yeah Damn. absolutely yeah mm -hmm. this is good yeah and then also i want to say something else if you don't mind go ahead um what I realized recently too, so 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 here comes where she doesn't want to hold herself to any one way of looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. how it goes. But so that's true, and that's I would say majority of um, hypothetically how it how it rolls with what what you just clarified between boundary and blame. And yet, I've just had this beautiful experience of really being able to see through the eyes of hate. And I mm. never was able to do that before, not in that capacity. Um, because before when I saw through the eyes of hate, it felt like personal. It felt like I was someone feeling the hate. I was someone looking through the hate and blaming that person. And so, uh, Gary, it was so magical for me. It was this experience of, so I come from a really troubled childhood. My mom did some really fucked up shit you should never do to a ch child mm -hmm. um, directly and indirectly. And I've processed so much of that and healed so much of that for sure. But yet there was still this, like, I didn't allow myself to hate her, even though that was in me. And so what happened recently was it just happened somehow in a dream. It came through in a dream and um, I killed her in my dream. Jeez. And I was like, wow, that was really, that was really powerful. What was that about? And I hadn't thought about that trauma or my, I don't have a relationship with my mom for like 13 years. So I haven't really thought much about it. I've done a lot of work around it and feels relatively healed for sure. But then, then that happened in the dream. And I was like, wow, there's something there, you know, and I really trust life's guidance in the sense of like, what do I need to see next? And what will it show me? And what it showed me was so magical. It was really cool to see, like, I could really feel hate. And when I embodied the eyes of hatred, how hatred sees the world, how hatred sees that, that little girl seeing hatred, right? And through what was done to her, like relatively, there was something very bad done to her again and again. And it was not okay, right? And so I could see through the eyes of hatred without it being 
I don't even know how to explain it, sticky personal. Like it didn't really feel personal. And yet I can embody it as a personal perspective, but not as me, as personal as hatred itself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And in that, blame was so necessary. Mm. Blame was so necessary because the perspective of the experience of hate, the energy of hate itself from the eyes of hate, it was so necessary to allow it permission to blame. So that's like a whole other different part of this, right? That was like, yeah, yeah, I could. I, and it was like, I allowed myself somehow I had the availability in me. And I think this is like without identity, it feels like I can approach these things so differently. And, and I could really, I could really hate her. And it was really a hugely powerful, magical healing, integrative part of my journey for sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think what's important there, as you said, is less sticky. Yeah. Less personal, maybe you could say. Yeah. In that, I can inhabit it in one hour and cry and scream and cuss at her in my own time. And and then the next hour be totally different. Just just walk out of it, mm. like no problem. And before that would have like been so draining on the body and the mind and it would have knocked me out all day. And yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I can inhabit this for this moment and it's fine. Mm. Doesn't feel like mine and yet i it needed that way of of it needed to be so direct be seen and felt so directly and so embodied wow. without any identity resisting it in any way that's powerful stuff yeah wow i feel like um you just described trauma um mm -hmm. we're all traumatized in one way or the other you know oh, i yeah. think that's important to yeah. be able to explore it in that way, but it, to know that it's not anything personal per se. It's not anything that you are. I feel like um, we take on our trauma as part of us somehow, like it's just locked in our being somehow, energetically, psychologically, I don't know. But we totally. feel as though some things that happen to us is like, this happened to me, so this is why I'm this way. And we hold on to that and certain patterns and behaviors come about that. But I think what you just described is very important to to really feel it and to move past it and to know that it's, it's, it happened, yes, but it's not who you are right now. This isn't, that's not what is needed right now. It was maybe when you were exploring it in that dream for some strange reason, but yeah. it's, you were able to move past it by truly like examining it somehow. Um, I don't know if I'm doing the right way of explaining it, but yeah, it's, it's to know that it's not personal and not sticky. That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, and to see how it's affected so much. Yeah. You know, it's, it has affected so much of, of what I, Violet's identity was and why she hindered herself so much and where she, what really affected her not feeling like she's good enough and that she is separate mm. was all because of that. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like once you can explore stuff like that, less guilt comes about. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't, we weren't the bad guy per se. There was no person doing it. It's just a happening. It's just something that just arose, just like anything else that arises in the movie of life. It was just something that came about. Um, yeah. So we become very less guilty. Things become less like, uh, like I did this or this, this happened to me. The more so this just happened. This was a happening. That's the important part. 
I feel. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And what was interesting in my uh, storyline of it was that that was so clear for so long, like in the beginning, like this, this whole journey with awakening had started five years ago, almost six now. And it was really um, in the very beginning, like first awakening really brought a lot of love and, and compassion and forgiveness into my heart that I'd never thought I'd have towards my mother and towards what my trauma and what had happened to me. And so it really was such a cool, beautiful thing that had happened. Um, I had this, this specific experience of forgiving her, um, writing her a letter and I didn't get to send it to her because I don't have contact with her, but really just like healing a lot from it and forgiving her and really seeing that like there wasn't someone there doing those things intentionally to me. Yeah. There wasn't, that's just not how it really is. So you say the absolute perspective and then, and that was really beautiful and that really healed a ton. And then now here we are almost six years later, right. With like really, again, needing to inhabit the relative side where I needed to allow myself to truly hate her and blame her. Right. Mm. And I know I, I, it doesn't mean that I somehow now believe that there's a, someone that did something to me. Um, but it was a valuable perspective because that's how it's seen. That's how it was seen at some time. Yeah. But it wasn't allowed to be seen fully through those, that lens yeah. because of protection, because I was young and I needed to protect myself instead of allow myself to hate her. Mm-hmm. I needed to still love her. I needed to be connected to her because she was my source of, of food and, and so forth. Right. Yeah. Of safety, even though it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it was important to, to fully embody the relative aspect of it now being without identity and being able to fully embody that and let it, let it have its day in the sun. Mm. Well said. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You said seeing through the lens. <laughs> it's a good metaphor. I like to, yeah. I like to keep that in the back of my head. I love it. We just put on different lenses. You had the lens of protection up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just polishing the lens, polishing the mirror. I think Ramdas says. Yeah. It's how we see through, when seeing through is essentially seeing ourselves. Yeah. Oh man. So powerful. I love this conversation, Carrie. Yeah, this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what else to say, to be honest with you. Um, what know. were you did you have questions for me before we started no i don't yeah. ever have questions i you just, just kind of i just hit the record button and see what happens oh i love it <laughs> most yeah. of these sometimes i got a general structure kind of outline but it never goes according to plan no way that's what i figured out i started doing these things with questions and then i realized i never abided by the questions so i'm like why do, i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna do why this take anyway. the time to do that yeah yeah mm. i don't know um I mean, all right, I'll ask this. What would you recommend like for, I don't even know if I want to ask this. All right, I'll ask it anyway. <laughs> what would you recommend for uh, like uh, to somebody that is like wants to get involved? And I think I kind of touched upon this in the beginning for mm-hmm. practices. Would it be just a simple examination? Like is just a simple like asking the question. Would you encourage a general sense of just curiosity in one's life? Would you say meditation maybe like how would how would somebody start and i know we already kind of touched upon this so excuse yeah. me if you if i'm oh no i think it's a good question and it's more specific part of that first question for sure 
Um, I think it's um, a couple different ways, right? So I think it's just figure out what you like, right? Maybe it's walking meditation. Maybe it's sitting meditation. Maybe it's dancing meditation. Maybe it's not meditation. Maybe it's who am I? Like, who am I worked for me in my life? Because I was acting, right? I was doing acting class. And that was really like, I was wondering who the hell I was. If there's I could some be kind of done. joke in there that you were an actress and you somehow stumbled upon this the divine play of Leela. But, uh, oh my God. It's probably come to realize that. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I'm, um, I haven't been to acting class in a long time. It's been many years through, I think I was going before COVID still. And then, mm-hmm. and I was just really, it just became, at first it became like, I wanted to be an actress and move to Hollywood and so forth. And I lived there a little bit and did some classes there, but I didn't really do much with it as a career because this sort of took over, um, inquiring into who I am. And then I still went to acting because it was fun and I just enjoyed it. And so now I, anyways, I might go back now that things have settled with COVID and we're doing in person again. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, what would somebody do for practice? Um, yeah, it, I think having a one-on-one, like if you're brand new and, and you can um, find somebody you resonate with and having a one-on-one and really like starting with someone and doesn't mean you have to continue doing one-on-ones with someone, but um, that some a teacher can sort of help you um, figure out what maybe would be a good way to go for practice for you because it's so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's like a one answer to that and what everyone should do. I think sitting with some sort of self inquiry is really helpful um, for sure. I think picking if if you're doing a question like a who am I, pick one question, and stay with it until it's solved. I really love that. Uh, perspective it comes from zen where it's like they give you what is moo and you sit with what is moo until you know what the hell moo is and you don't the teacher does not give you a next koan Mm. it could be years right and i think that's really important because our mind is so designed to be distracted to be complex and dynamic and like oh i'm bored with that question that question didn't work and then we believe those thoughts and then we find ourselves lost again and the mind is the endless trap of making you feel lost making you feel lost making you feel lost and taking you somehow out of what's right here. And so if we really sort of find the question that really sparks that fire in us, that really sparks that curiosity in us and stay with it. Like I stayed with who am I for four months and I literally all day long was with who am I? I sat so much. My husband had moved away. I was going to acting class, having lunch with Angelo sometimes and sitting on my balcony. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any other friends. That was my life. And it was really powerful because I just, I just, sat, who am I? And I just stayed with it. And throughout my day, I just became so curious um, when I wasn't sitting. And so staying with it, like that, that there's something about yeah. consistency in that way that yeah. that is really powerful. Um, also like anything, like explore. So there's so many things, there's so many modalities, there's so many spiritual modalities, different energetic things, Qigong, conscious dance, um, TRE, all kinds of different modalities to try and just see what really like feels right for you. Um, and trust when it starts to, when it, when it naturally changes versus your mind gets bored. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and then I'll say one last thing here too, Gary, I think it's important to discern start to try to discern what is the experience and what is my thoughts. Like, what is my experience and what is my reflection of my experience? Because what happens is when the experience and the reflection are are intertwined, they're right on top of each other, 
it, it just feels like that's what's happening. Or we're taking that reflection. So you can say, I don't know, there's something happening here. I don't know what it is. And my reflection is saying it's Gary and Violet having a cool chat and enjoying each other, right? So that's what my reflection might say. But if I take my reflection to be the actual, then I'm missing something. Mm. I'm missing what's actually here. Yeah. I'm not seeing through what's actually here. I'm not seeing directly. And we're not seeing experience directly. We're not seeing our emotions directly. We're not seeing our thoughts directly. We're not seeing our experience directly. That's what mind identification is. Our identity is so intertwined in that reflective reality that we can't see what's actually here. So it's some finding some way to question, to discern. And that's sort of what self-inquiry starts to do. What is direct experience and what is my mind? And simple sort of techniques that I often use as an example is like this. There's that, mm -hmm. which I don't know what the hell it is. And my mind says, that's my two hands clapping to show something to, uh, to Gary in the audience, right? But if I take that reflection to be the actual, I'm missing the, like, there's so much there. I don't know what it is. I could never tell you, but it can be directly experienced, right? It's sort of like one of the koans is what is the sound of one hand? Yeah. One hand clapping. Something like no, that. the clapping was added. It's just one hand. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a couple things there. Mm. <clears throat> that's good. <clears throat> what is this? This is the whole universe in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's a reflection. Anything with words is a reflection. Anything with words isn't, isn't the answer. It's fun. Words are great. I love words. Mm -hmm. I love talking, seems like. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, and it's fine, right? It's not like, I remember when I first had awakening and it's sort of like part of the Neo-Advaita sort of infusion i guess you could use the word for that happens um where it's like well there's no me and like there's no one to answer that question and who would it be there for and that was so fun and so funny and that was so true for me in those moments and i wrote a lot of poetry about it like it was just like my mind would say like stop laughing you're embarrassing yourself and it would be like well who would, would be there to stop laughing like that doesn't even make any sense and it was just like bonkers mm -hmm. and had so much fun um and now it's like there doesn't need to be a denying of any way. Like I can say me, I can use all these terms, consciousness, awareness, it doesn't really matter. Like it's unhindered by anything of it needs to be. Yeah. And so, but what's important is to see that when I'm speaking of this, when I'm using these terms, I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about other thoughts. I'm talking about other words. We're talking in concept, right? Yeah. And so it's fine. It's very fun to talk in concept and try to, stumble around how this is said with words through dualistic language, but it's important to know and be clear that not hold on to that as truth as it's not truth. It's, it's a part of the truth of this moment, but it's not inherently any truth. No, no, yeah. it's just fingers pointing at the moon mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as long as we can both recognize and the listener also recognize that all words Every single word that we said within the last hour is just a finger, is just a symbol, is just the reflection. And I yeah. think that's, you know, that's a, that's a positive. That's yeah. setting yourself up uh, on a good foundation. If you can recognize that ultimately what we're doing here, kind of sort of is just like a game. We're just playing a game with each other. Um, 
And ultimately, we're trying to come to some kind of conclusion, but ultimately that conclusion that one may come to or conclusions are ultimately just concepts, just touching upon what we're trying to speak about. Um, But yeah, that's why we keep that play, right? That's why we keep that kind of that sense of taking it a little less serious because this if we try to take it too serious i'm telling the truth right now with a capital t <laughs> then you lose that you lose that spark. Totally. yeah 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 and in one way too the words like they they do all point to other words but they also in some way can evoke like this experience this pointing somebody to this energetic quality of what's actually here yeah. And that's why we do this conversation. That's why we make videos. That's why we, because we, it's really like, there's something beyond the language. Mm-hmm. If we can not hold so tightly to the language yeah. that we can feel is going on here, which is so powerful and beautiful. And that's what we are. And that's what we're saying. Hey, as a listener that and a watcher to this, that like tune into that feeling, that vibration. Yeah. Exactly. That's what really this is about. It's the transmission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beyond the symbols. That's why koans are so powerful because they use yeah. language to get the mind out of language. Or also, poetry. humor. What you, or humor. Saying? Yeah, poetry or humor. Yeah. 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 Exactly. They're all the same idea. It's using this language almost some as some kind of like five D chess of the mind to transcend yeah. the language. Um, yeah. It's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. the space in between each word that says so much more than the words. Mm. Yeah, it's so yummy. So yummy, for sure. (laughs) Well said. Hey, you know what? On that note, I think we can probably wrap this thing up. I think that's a good note to wrap it up at. Um, Do you have any last words for the pod? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Yeah, Yeah, and the I don't know is just so beautiful. Yeah. It's uh-huh. so perfect. It's a mystery. It's just mm-hmm. a, mystery. a mystery to be revered. I revere it at yeah. least. Um, yeah. But yeah. I thank you for coming on here, sharing your wisdom and energy. You have a very easeful energy about you. Um, this was a pleasure for me. Um, That's how I'm fun, Gary. <laughs> what time is it for you? Uh, it's 2.07 p.m. Where are you at? You're in... I, I live outside of Boston. Oh, okay. So you're East Coast. Mm-hmm. Or you? I'm in Colorado. Okay. So and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're all just here. We're all here and yeah. that's it. Where are you? I'm here. <laughs> Where are you? Hello. That's, that's not what, what I'm I gonna meant. say now. No, it is anybody. what I meant though. <laughs> <laughs> anybody that asks me now in the future, like, where are you from? Here. <laughs> here. There's here a like are. really not a uh, kind of goofy, not appropriate like joke. I don't know if you heard it when you were a kid. I definitely did. Where are you from? My mom's vagina. <laughs> true that is very true that's where we're all from very true and it's just like why do kids think that's funny i definitely thought it was funny like, yeah, that's 12 year old humor yeah oh yeah we need a like you know they have dad joke books you need like a 12 year old joke books yeah right oh. <laughs> that's funny well hey on that note <laughs> thank you for coming on here again um Good to hey, chat with you. I wish you all the best. Keep doing your thing. This was great. You're a real one. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Peace and love. Peace and love to you. Oh. And peace and love to everybody that listened. Thank you so much, Gary. Hopefully I chat with you again. Thank you. Thank Have you. a good day.